Hello, this is Glenda Taylor, and this podcast is especially for Grandma Glenda's kids of any age. This year, 2020, during the COVID virus pandemic, we haven't been able to have the usual children's retreats at our Springs Retreat Center, and so I'm missing everyone, especially the kids, so much. I decided to send my voice to them in this special podcast. My hope is that the adults who subscribe to this podcast will share it with the youngsters in their lives. And I hope that you grown-up kids enjoy it, too. So, here goes. Hello, my young friends. This is Grandma Glenda. I've been thinking about you even more than usual. I know in this pandemic, you're being restricted in what you can do. You've probably been kept isolated or kept away from your usual life, maybe even away from school, from friends. Seems like away from everything fun. You must think, why does it have to be this way? When will it end? I don't like it. Right? Well, here's something to think about that. I know that many of you have played video games and seen movies and have had playing cards and stuff that have to do with superheroes and superheroines with their superpowers. Well, I want to talk to you a little bit about how those heroes and heroines got their superpowers in the first place. Because, believe it or not, you may be in the process of getting some superpowers right now during this pandemic, even maybe because of this pandemic. How is that? Well, here's the first clue. Most heroes and heroines started out as ordinary kids, just like you. Then something happened that shook things up, turned things around and upside down, and disrupted their lives, just like yours has been disrupted. Then, What happened next to the particular kids who do become heroes and heroines is what I want to share with you. And it's why I say that you may right now be able to get some special superpowers because of this pandemic. There are, you know, many, many stories about heroes and heroines and about other pandemics and plagues and about losses and struggles that somehow in the end made some people legendary. We have such stories from all over the world, throughout all time, way back to the beginning, in fairy tales and myths and in real people's lives. Old, old stories, 5,000 years old stories, like the one about Queen Inanna, the fierce superheroine who fights dragons and bad guys and who's also beautiful. And there's stories about famous, more modern people like Einstein and Isaac Newton and Shakespeare and Nelson Mandela who had their times of isolation when everything was turned upside down. And there are fairy tales, too, about bad things happening to good people like the story of Rapunzel being locked up in a tower, or Snow White left alone in the forest, on and on. So many stories about those who survive pandemics and other trials, but who gain, yes, 
some super powers. So, what do you mean by a superpower? Grandma Glenda wants to know. I know some of your characters in the fantasy movies or the card decks or the video games. I know each character has its own superpower. I'll bet your mom or your teacher or somebody has asked you or told you what your superpower is. Maybe not. But I'm here to tell you that there are some superpowers that we all can acquire that are not just fantasy, that are real-life attributes that make us more powerful and make our lives so much better when we have them. And we're told about most of those powers and about how to get them in all of these what we call archetypal stories. Stories that are myths and legends, and they're archetypal because that means that they've happened to so many people in the same kinds of ways all down through the years that they're sort of stories that are true for everybody in some way. Now, you all know how I love to tell stories, so I want to tell you a couple of stories today in this podcast. And then maybe later, if you like, I can tell you another story in a week or so, maybe even one story a week. And all of these stories will hopefully help you understand about the deeper meaning of this time in our lives, in your life, and how you can come out of this time with some special new powers of your own, okay? So let's start. Just imagine you're sitting in a circle with me and your family and friends by the campfire or in the medicine lodge. Get comfortable and settle down now and listen. I'll start with a story most everybody knows, even the little kids, and then go on to a story that I'll just bet even most of you older ones haven't heard before. And remember, what we're listening for is how the hero and heroine gets their superpowers and what those superpowers really are. So here's a story you probably know, even the little kids know. Long, long ago, there was Cinderella. Well, you may remember in the beginning of the story, Cinderella was just an ordinary girl doing ordinary things. She was happy and, well, maybe just a little spoilsy. But anyway, Cinderella was just an ordinary little girl until, alas, a very tragic thing happened. Her mother died. And Cinderella was, of course, very sad. And then after a while, her father remarried a wicked, witchy stepmother who was cruel and unfair to Cinderella. And this new stepmother had some daughters of her own, and they were unkind to Cinderella all the time, saying bad things about her and making her feel bad about herself because they said them. So Cinderella's life had really changed. Her new stepmother made Cinderella do lots and lots of chores, carrying in wood for the fireplace, hauling in water from the well, and doing all the washing of clothes and all sorts of other chores. She had to work, work, work. She couldn't roam around freely anymore doing fun things. She couldn't go to school. 
She had to stay home to do chores like cleaning up the ashes and cinders out of the hearth, which is the fireplace, the hearth. That's the fireplace where the fire there provided the only heat in the house in those days and where all the cooking was done. Can you imagine cooking all the time in the fireplace? Well, anyway, every day Cinderella had to clean out those ashes and those dirty, smutty, sometimes still hot cinders out of the fireplace. That's how Cinderella got her name, remember, from the smutty cinders. She must have looked awful. Dirty smudges all over her hands and face. And then, wow, there was a big party coming up at the neighborhood palace. A fancy dress party where the handsome prince would be in attendance. Well, Cinderella was told she couldn't go. She had to stay home, isolated, just like you're having to do now. Stay home, isolated. No dance parties for you either, I'll bet. To make matters worse, Cinderella's stepsisters, who made fun of her all the time and were so snooty, they got to go to the party. Maybe something like that is happening to you, too. Maybe some of your friends aren't being made to stay home and stay safe and wear masks and all of that during the coronavirus pandemic, and you may feel kind of like Cinderella did. But in the end, in the Cinderella story, lots of good stuff happens to Cinderella, and in fact, she becomes the queen of the whole kingdom. But wait, I hear one of you say, I know about her. She had a fairy godmother who took care of everything with her magic wand. Cinderella didn't have any superpowers. The fairy godmother did it all. Yes, I know, you're right. Well, many of us have been waiting and waiting for someone with a magic wand to make this virus thing and everything bad go away, but she hasn't shown up, has she? We still have to be isolated, have to do things like schoolwork online, and whatever. Maybe the scientists are working so hard to find a cure for the virus. Maybe they're the fairy godmothers. It's taken them a lot of time because they have to be so careful. But meantime, we're still here having to isolate ourselves. But anyway, back to Cinderella. There's still something to learn from this story. I guess maybe it's partly about what doesn't work in getting real superpowers. And that has to do with that magic wand. Do you remember the story how Cinderella's fairy godmother waved her magic wand and Cinderella suddenly had, oh, a beautiful party dress and fancy glass slippers and a carriage, and Cinderella went to the dance party and had a great time, and the handsome prince was very taken with Cinderella, and it was all great, until suddenly something bad happened again. Cinderella had to race back home suddenly because, as the fairy godmother had warned her, magic spells only last so long. And then all the made-up stuff, like the fancy dress and the carriage, anything that isn't real, will pretty quickly disappear. And then the real stuff will show back up. And that's what happened. As you know, the clock struck midnight Cinderella remembered, and so she ran really fast and managed to get out of the castle just in time and back home before her beautiful dress went back to being the dirty old rag she'd been wearing before. The carriage disappeared and so forth. All the stuff that wasn't real went away. 
and she had only herself. She was there all alone, just with herself. Being able to be by oneself and get to know oneself and what is real about ourselves and what is just something we put on for show, that's a big learning and one you have a chance to practice during this time of isolation, right? But of course, the Cinderella story says that one bit of magic lasted, at least for a bit longer. There was the one glass slipper of Cinderella's that had fallen off in the castle as Cinderella ran away. And the prince, you remember, he had just been enchanted with Cinderella at the dance, and when he picked up that glass slipper, I guess he just held on to that magic a little longer, and it stayed there. He had liked Cinderella so much and wanted it all to be real, and he wanted to find her and get to know her and maybe marry her. So he sent his servants out to get all the young ladies in the kingdom to try on that slipper to see if it would fit them so he could find the right one who really was Cinderella. Now let's think about that for a minute. Why didn't he just go around and look at all the young ladies? Surely he would have recognized Cinderella, right? He was so taken with her. You think he wouldn't recognize her? That he would only know her if she were in that special fancy dress or in her fancy carriage? That he didn't know who she looked like in herself? He surely hadn't really looked closely at the real person, Cinderella, if that's the case. And maybe he just wanted to find someone who would just fit that magic he had in mind, who would just fit that shoe, who would fit into what he expected or wanted a young lady to be like. Now, I can just hear some of you girls saying all at once, no way, not anymore. We're our own persons, thank you very much. We're not going to just fit into your expectations when you don't even know us. But then that's all true enough. But there is another way also to look at the prince. He was a prince, but he wasn't yet a king, and he was young. He still had a lot to learn. And maybe he was smart enough not to trust just that fleeting image he'd had of Cinderella, or that it would really be enough to identify her. Maybe he had been taught as most of you have, I'm sure, that it's easy to get swept away by someone's charm or beauty or wit or whatever, only to learn later that they weren't really what they had seemed. It was all just put on like a fancy dress, and who the person really was inside was different. Maybe having a real person really fit the glass slipper was a way of testing whether the real person would fit the magic image he had gotten that one night at the dance or not. Maybe he was pretty smart to test his first impression. I don't know. And after all, girls, even if he found Cinderella, she might or might not want to marry him. She still had all her choices before her, like you do. Of course, in this story, the prince does find her, and they do fall in love and get married, and she becomes queen, and he becomes king, and all that. And so that familiar story has a few hints, just a few, about gaining some superpowers. Did you catch any? Let's see. Paying attention to what's real and what isn't. 
not getting too caught up in wishful thinking, maybe, or knowing that using your imagination can set things in motion, like the use of the magic wand did, if we follow through, like Cinderella and the prince had to follow through, or knowing that whether you have a fancy dress or not, whether you are lonely in the ashes doing chores all by yourself, or in a big palace with a lot of people, being true to who you are is important. Or being double sure to check your impressions to be sure of reality, to be sure you haven't been carried away by what you wanted, how you wanted things to be. Did you catch any of those hints? Maybe not. So let me tell you a similar story, sort of, about a boy who became a hero and what happened to him. This story is older than the Cinderella story. It's actually about 1,500 years old. That's a long time ago, right? How old are you now? I'm 81 by now, and 1,500 years is way, way back before my time. But back then, long, long ago, there was this boy I want to tell you about who was named Parsifal. He was a young boy living an ordinary life for his time and place, except that the boy's father had died when Parsifal was just a baby. Parsifal's mother had had to move away far out into the wilderness, away from Parsifal's relatives, who were probably trying to take over all of Parsifal's land and stuff after his father died. It was pretty hard for Parsifal, and especially for his mother. Parsifal grew up out there, isolated in the wilderness, and he was often lonely. But it was really a good and simple life. They had everything they really needed. But Parsifal's mother told him that his father had been very powerful and respected. And she said that one day Parsifal himself might go out into the world and that Parsifal might someday become very powerful too and perhaps wise if he behaved himself and was patient until that time. I guess you know how that feels, this being patient, waiting for this pandemic to get over. Maybe developing patience as a way of growing another important superpower. I sure hope so. (laughs) Well, here's what happened to Parsifal. When he was a little older than some of you are now, he set out on his journey to find his father's lost kingdom. After a few weeks, he was wandering around in the wilderness trying to figure out which way to go. And Parsifal was getting hungry and worried when he encountered a poor man in a boat fishing. This man suggested that if Parsifal went just a little further, he would come to a castle. And he told Parsifal that he would be welcome there in that castle. Well, Parsifal went along where he was told to go, and he came to a big, amazingly grand and beautiful castle. And when he went inside, although it seemed to be empty of people, he discovered It was apparently a magic castle because everything Parsifal could imagine of any kind of good things would instantly appear there for him whenever he thought about them or asked for them. His favorite yummy foods, even the ones his mom wouldn't usually let him eat, and lots of fun games and things to do. 
and even a fine bath <laughs> where he could clean up. Remember, he'd been wandering around in the world and was maybe as smudged up as Cinderella had been. What a great magic castle. At one time, Parsifal even saw some people walking through the castle like a parade, carrying some strange objects, a spear, and, and there was a beautifully carved cup, a really big cup, and some other stuff. He thought these people must be servants of the king of the castle who was nowhere to be seen, and he wanted to ask them who they served, who the king of the castle was, but he hesitated and didn't say anything, and the people just disappeared. Finally, Parsifal got sleepy, and he went to sleep in a big, fluffy, soft bed. And the next morning, when he woke up, whoops, the whole magic castle was gone, and he was lying on the ground on pine straw and scratchy pine cones. He rubbed his eyes and looked all around, trying to figure out what had happened, and where all the good stuff had gone, all the fun games and good food and parades and being able to have whatever he wanted, gone. It was all gone. You can imagine how he felt. But Parsifal didn't just sit there and feel sorry for himself. Not for very long, anyway. Maybe just a little while, that's human. But then he got himself up and set forth again. He began to have some courage and some perseverance so that he kept going, even when disappointed or bored or discouraged, even when things were difficult. And things were often difficult after that for Parsifal. He had many ups and downs. One day, though, he met some of King Arthur's knights. He knew that King Arthur was a famous king admired by everyone Parsifal knew. And these knights Parsifal met were so impressive that Parsifal immediately wanted to become a knight, too, a knight of King Arthur's Round Table. Do you know what being a knight meant back in the days of King Arthur? Well, it wasn't just a guy in armor and a helmet and a big sword who liked to fight battles or dragons or whatever. No, a knight was someone very special because first he had to prove himself capable and then he had to prove himself worthy which meant he had to make a promise, a vow, to King Arthur and to all the other knights that he would always serve and protect the people, all the people, especially the weak and helpless, especially the children and the old people. And he promised always to serve with honor, with honesty and kindness and generosity and courage and civility. So it was a very, very special thing to be a real knight. I guess that was the equivalent of being a really good guy superhero at King Arthur's Round Table. And you, you do know why it's a round table, right? Well, that round table was, well, it was like one of our circles at, at our springs, right, where all of us sit in a circle where we can all see each other and so everyone is pretty equal, right? Nobody gets to be in the front row and have somebody else having to be in the back row where they can't be seen or, or can't see or whatever in a circle. Everybody's important. Everybody counts. That's one of the things Parsifal learned about being a knight, 
the importance of every person and everything, really, every tree or animal or whatever. All the, all the knights could sit around this round table of King Arthur's. Well, Parsifal wanted to be a knight, I can tell you for sure. And so King Arthur, well, he sent him out on some quests, which what was the way you usually started out to be a knight. And, and so, well, Parsifal did the usual things. He rescued a few damsels and he fought some really bad guys. And he won some of the time and lost some of the time. But all the time he was growing stronger and braver and maybe a little wiser. And then came Parsifal's most important test before he could become a knight. He had to find his way back to that castle that he had first visited, that magic castle, you remember? And so he did. He he. He made his way back there somehow with, with a little help from friends he had made along the way. And when he when he found the castle and went inside where he could, you remember, he could have whatever he wished for. Well, this time, instead of just thinking about things he could wish for for himself, he thought now about how being a knight, if he was a knight, he was supposed to think also about others, about how he was supposed to serve others, not just himself. And so, standing there in the castle, when when the parade of people came by, the ones he thought were servants, and he saw that large, beautifully engraved cup, a cup almost big enough to be a bowl, that was offered to him to fill up, I guess, with whatever he wanted. Parsifal looked at that cup, and he looked all around the castle, and at the passing parade of people, and and this time, thinking about the missing king, he asked out loud, Whom does all this serve? Well, you know what? When he asked that question in that magic castle, poof, right before his eyes there was a big light, and out of the light stepped that poor fisherman Parsifal had originally met except this time that man had on kingly robes, and Parsifal discovered that this man was the king of the castle, that an enchanted spell had been cast on that king and on the castle, a spell that could only be broken when a good man, a wise man, a brave man, asked that very question, Whom does all this serve? and then the spell would be broken. Parsifal had not asked the question the first time. He had just thought about himself, his wishes, what he could have if he wanted it. Parsifal had had to have the experience he had had after that, experiences of more trials and more time alone in the wilderness, getting more patience and more courage and more wisdom, really, before it finally occurred to him to ask the right question, whom does it serve? The fisher king thanked Parsifal for breaking the spell, and Parsifal went back to King Arthur's court, and he became a knight of the round table, and he's been famous ever since. You can imagine that Parsifal thought long and hard about all that had happened in the fisher king's castle and what it meant and what serving meant, 
what being concerned about who it is that needs to be served and who is served by what we ourselves are doing. He probably thought about being a good knight too, a hero with with real power, such as those powers that had grown up in him during his times of isolation and loneliness and during his many trials when he developed skills and and muscles and and learned things. So what do you think are some of the powers that Parsifal acquired? Ah, yes, I hear you. Courage. Being brave even when scared. Um, someone over here says patience. Yes. Yes, that's right. And speaking up for the right things, maybe. And knowing what the right things are. What's real and what isn't. And not getting caught up in some magic spell that's really all pretense. Most important, being willing to serve faithfully the things that really matter, like kindness and compassion and fairness and honesty and so on, that the knights were pledged to to serve. And the importance of everyone having a seat at the table, being willing to to work to help the weak and to stand up to the bullies to fight those dragons of evil, shall we say. There are a lot of superpowers to think about in this story. Well, so Parsifal became a great knight, and as I said, he's been famous for (laughs) about 1,500 years. And remember, he started out just an ordinary kid who had to be isolated for a while who suffered a lot of losses, who was often lonely and disappointed even in himself. But the way he responded to all of that allowed him to become the knight he became. So that's Parsifal's story. It's different from Cinderella's and different from a lot of the other stories I mentioned about people who who get superpowers in other ways. Are you curious about What other ways a hero or a heroine gets powers? Well, I'm going to tell you about them in more stories in in next week or in this whole series of podcasts. There will be another podcast next week, maybe about that Inanna I was telling you about. And just in case one of you says, well, those knights and queens and so forth are different from me and different from what's happening today, well, I do have some stories for you about real people, too, people who live not so long ago or who are living now that are just as fascinating as those old legends and fairy tales. Because like I said, those stories are legends and myths because they're stories that happen to everybody and are meaningful to everybody like you and like me. So I'll tell you about some more of them in future podcasts. And, and in the meantime, maybe you and your family or you and your friends on the phone can talk about what you think makes a real hero or heroine in any circumstances. Maybe you can learn more on your own or with your parents' help about King Arthur's knights, if you're interested. And maybe you can think about those people in our world right now that a lot of people are saying are being our heroes, the the nurses and the, the people that are working to serve and save us. And as I said, next week I'll give you some more clues and tell you some more stories. So, for today, I just want to reach out to you 
to remind you that Grandma Glenda is still here, loving you, thinking about the good times we've had together when maybe I, I might have taught you, some of you, how to build a fire safely or or I invited you to sing your very own song for everybody or to go for a walk in the deep, dark woods at our springs even at night back when you were little and you might have been a little bit afraid and how glad you were to get back to the campfire to discover everything was all right and you had been brave even if you were afraid. And I want to remind you of all the fun we had and we will have again. So be brave and wise, my young grand ones. I trust in you. You are on your own hero's journey. You didn't choose it. Most heroes don't. Life just happens to them, and they have to respond and do all the things life demands of them, as you are doing, and your parents are doing, and I'm doing too, isolated here at Earth Springs. But I'll be with you again. We'll be together again one of these days when the pandemic's over. And I'll be with you again next week here on this podcast. So tune in then, okay? I love you, all you kids, little and big. And if you like this podcast, please feel free to share it with others by directing them to the One and All Wisdom podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on the oneandallwisdom.com website. So until next time, this is Grandma Glenda Taylor.